All right, so as I mentioned earlier, um, we got Christina Kadra, Michael McCall, and Carol Lester that are gonna share with us this morning. Um, and just, we'll go in that order. And uh, Christina, I'll invite you up here in just a second. And then Michael, you can go right after her and Carol right after him. And um, then we'll have uh, the, the, these guys close with a song. And um, so just uh, excited, again, this is one of my favorite, absolute favorite Sundays. Just love hearing people's stories and it's awesome to hear how God has been so faithful. So um, I just want to encourage each one of you as you come up here. I know it's sometimes it's more comfortable to stand back here, but try to get close to the mic so um, it can be a little hard to hear you if, you, if you're not. So um, let me pray one more time, and then we'll, we'll hear. Father God, we thank you for this time, and just uh, I want to ask that you would just be with each one of these folks who are going to get up here and speak. And Lord, we uh, just it's such a blessing to know you, to know um, how you work in people's lives and to hear the encouragement um, of how you've worked in others. And uh, we see so much commonality of who you are, but uh, every story is different. And so just what a blessing. So I uh, just pray that you'd be with each one and uh, encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Christina. <laughs> we switched. This is not where I'm comfortable. But, um, and I decided to read it to stay on track and not talk all over the place. I'm excited to share, though, so hopefully there's something in it for y'all. I find it quite challenging to share my testimony Speaking publicly, sharing in front of family and the church I grew up in, and talking about some of the things I have to share is hard for me. I, I still feel that it's good to do this and finally said yes to my dad. In short, my testimony of Jesus Christ is that he is faithful even when I am faithless. He is steadfast even when I do not put him first in my heart. I see my complete need for him more and more each day, and I know that I'm not good apart from him. I know that God has blessed me and been patient and gracious to me beyond what I'll ever realize or deserve. Um, I'm very thankful to have grown up in a loving home with two wonderful parents, Charlie and Patsy, who always taught me excuse me, always taught my three siblings and me the importance of putting Christ first in each decision that we make. They were more concerned about us being sensitive to the voice of the Lord above anything else. They always pointed us to Jesus through family Bible reading and prayer times. I'm thankful to have been brought up in a Christian home where almost everyone around me, including my extended family on both sides, are Christians. I'm very thankful for my grandparents too, Pop and Noni and now catchy. Through many conversations at home with my parents, God began to work in my heart to show me that I needed him. It was during a communion service here at Bernie Bible that I saw everyone around me being allowed to partake in communion, but I couldn't because I was not a Christian. This caused me to want to be a Christian so that I'd be like everyone else that I knew. Heaven did sound a lot better than hell. I asked God to forgive me of my sins and come take over my life. And that's how my relationship with the Lord began. But as I grew in my walk with Christ, my relationship with him became so much more 
and I began to understand that Christ wanted to be my very life. As you probably know, I grew up a preacher's and Bible school director's son. At times, I did feel that I needed to do or not do things because of who my dad was. I believe that this was both good and bad. Good because I think the Lord protected me from a lot, but bad because I think I've struggled with wanting to please people as a result of that. Ultimately, I never wanted to disappoint my parents or others in my life. And I definitely think that caused, uh, well, in short, because this is supposed to be short, uh, a lot of different trials in my life. But God has worked in me to show me that this is how I should see my relationship with Christ. Am I more concerned about what man thinks of me or what he thinks of me? Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still try, trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And as a bondservant, this is no longer scripture, as a bondservant of Christ, I should fear the Lord and turn away from evil with the motivation of being pleasing to him and not man. He's bought me with a price. I should want to please him above anyone else in all areas of my life. Psalm 139 has been very impactful to me over the years, and it says, Lord, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I know that I was not an easy child to raise. I was the most difficult for my mom to homeschool, and she lovingly told me that when I graduated from high school. <laughs> I'm so thankful that she chose to homeschool us, even in the hard seasons. I was blessed to have a very good childhood, and I'm very grateful that God allowed me to grow up at His Hill Bible School and Ranch Camp. I li loved living at His Hill and getting to know the students and work at summer camp. Having people in my life like the staff at His Hill was amazing. I saw firsthand students arrive in September and leave in May, obviously changed by allowing God to work in their lives. Going to Bible school was never pushed by my parents, but it was something I wanted to do in order to grow in my relation personal relationship with the Lord just like I saw the students at His Hill. Stud seeing students come and leave each year was tough, as I had to say goodbye to them each year. But what was even harder was seeing students who turned away from the Lord in the years after Bible school. This helped me see the vital importance of keeping God and His Word in my, first in my life. Um, short overview of the next few years. Um, I began to get to know Brooklyn, now my wife, the summer before my senior year in high school. We kept in contact through the year um, and what would begin to be a five-year long-distance relationship out of six. Um, but it was very good, and we grew up together a lot. We were, I think, 17 and 16 when we first met and began to get to know each other. Um, after high school, I went to Bible school in Germany followed by a second year at His Hill. My time in Bible school is very impactful in my walk with the Lord. I don't have enough time to share different specifics. There were a lot of events that happened in the 10 years after Bible school. I graduated from Columbia International University. Brooklyn and I married, and we served at the Torchbearer Bible School in New Zealand for a year. We had our first two children, Weston and Ford, and we continually saw the Lord's goodness and faithfulness through all of these things, as he clearly orchestrated many complex situations that we faced. I've always been told that you're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or headed into a trial. So knowing that God is good all the time is vital. James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. 
And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Who God is, is not dependent on my circumstances. And what I know to be true about him, and his word, does not change based on my circumstances. Knowing that he is good, knowing that he is good is the fact that we must come back to amid trials. Thanksgiving week, November 2019, we lost our son Hendrix when Brooklyn was 34 weeks pregnant. And I don't know how I could have faced this trial without Christ. I'm so thankful for the Lord's comfort. But some days are really hard still. And God has been healing us a lot. And we're so thankful for our daughter Scarlett, who's helped us heal our hearts. At times I question God, and I remember holding a perfect little boy in our arms and praying so hard that God would bring him back to us. And I wondered why he didn't perform a miracle. I questioned why he didn't, and I questioned why the doctors didn't catch this with all the appointments that we had. 30 days earlier, my brother Nathan and sister-in-law Davina had lost their daughter Opal during delivery. We had so many questions and so much hurt, and our family had had to continually remind ourselves of what is true. Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all in his tender mercies over all his works. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. And Brooklyn and I are so grateful to those who prayed for us and continue to remember our son Hendrix. We were significantly impacted, especially by those who could identify with us in our mourning. I'm still very much in process of sanctification, and I know that I'll never stop being in desperate need of our Savior. God has much to do in my heart still in order to continue to conform me to the image of his son. But I'm thankful for the events that God has used in my life to show me his goodness and his faithfulness that are not dependent on my circumstances. We have such a great hope that goes beyond our life here on earth. The hard things we've gone through have caused us to live in light of eternity and long for heaven in a new way. And we long for the day that is written about in Revelation that says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That's all I have. Thanks for listening. Like Michael, I'm going to read it too. <laughs> but um, so I'm Christina and I'm from Albania and I'm 23 years old. I um, mostly I'm going to read it because English is not my first language, so to make it easier for you all too. Uh, I'm a second year student at His Hill. I want to share a little bit about my life and the way that God has been working. 
While I was writing my testimony, I was thinking that every day is the testimony of God. And I don't know what to share and what not to share. So I will share a little bit of my background and my journey with Christ. I grew up in Albania, and for the most part, I lived with my parents and my siblings. I have 13 siblings. But I will talk about my three biological ones for the first part of my testimony. Two of my biological siblings are currently in school, and one of my brothers is in the mission field. We grew up in a small village with about 100 people. My parents weren't able to go to school growing up, so they didn't have good professions. This resulted in hard conditions at home. There were times that we didn't have food or times without electricity because we couldn't afford it. As hard as it sounds, looking back, I'm thankful for that time because even though it was hard, it taught me how to be thankful for what I have now. My dad, was wor my dad worked as a shepherd. He often got his lunch from people that he worked for and brought it home for us because we didn't have enough uh, food. From, from, what I, from what I remember, my mom didn't work that much, but she took care of us and the farm that we had. I did not have the privilege of growing, of growing up in a home where Christ was the center of the family. I grew up in a Muslim family. Looking back on that, I see how lost our family was without knowing the truth. I can say that I didn't have the best childhood, but I'm grateful, grateful for the moments that I had. When I was 12, a lot of things started happening in my family. My parents didn't seem happy anymore. There were a lot of disagreements. There was a lot going on. And suddenly, everything happened when us kids were around. My mom wanted to leave the family and live with her parents. After a while, my parents weren't able to fix their relationship, so it ended up that my mom left the house. We got to choose to live with our mom or, or stay, so we decided to stay with our dad. Of course, this wasn't easy for us or my dad. He worked so much, and he was home only a few hours during the night. For me, it got harder because I was the oldest, and I had the responsibility of taking care of my family since my dad was working. School was my favorite thing to do, but after my mom left, I, had, I didn't have the same time anymore, so my grades dropped really low. I had to wait for all my siblings to be done with school, and we all walked back to our village, which was 45 minutes away. Being back home wasn't the same anymore. My dad left at 5 a.m. and came back at midnight when uh, we were in bed. My dad was going through so much pain, mostly because our family wasn't the same and because he loved my mom and didn't want the reality we had. He was sad and tired emotionally. After a while, I realized that my dad was so different. He talked differently and he acted differently. So I went and told my grandparents, my dad's, par my dad's parents about this. They said that it is okay, but it wasn't. My dad went through dep depression and the hospital couldn't do anything. We spent a lot of time with our dad at home, but more and more we realized that we couldn't understand him anymore. This lasted for a few months. We always were worried where our dad was. So one night, while we were sleeping, my brother woke me up and, walked, and we walked outside to look for our dad. And we saw that he had committed suicide. Uh, we wanted to help to bring him back to life, but it was too late. 
My mom didn't come back. We were scared to live at the same house. We couldn't walk there anymore because we felt so much fear and anxiety. My grandparents decided to take care of us till we were going to be sent to an orphanage house. During that time, we realized that we were not loved by anyone anymore. Often family members said to us that we didn't have any rights because we didn't have parents. My grandparents didn't let me go to school because they wanted me to work. The court case was going on for us to be sent to an orphanage house, but during that time, one of my uncles brought some people from the Evangelic Church to come and visit us. They came and for a while they helped us with providing food and taking my siblings to the after school program. I didn't know what, what church was and I always thought that it was for helping people and loving God, but I didn't know who God was. We started going to church, to church and I was part of uh, the girls' meeting. I heard a lot, but I didn't really understand that, understood that much. We went to summer camp and um, the first year that I was a camper was the year when I got saved. I don't remember the exact moment because I, every week I prayed the prayer so many times. Uh, deep in my heart, I understood that God loved me. Through the time I had so many question, questions and asked God, God, why? My heart was so heavy and I didn't know what to do with that heaviness. After camp, I went back home and loved to read my Bible every day. But I had to hide when I read it. And also I had to hide my Bible because my grandparents were Muslims and they would have thrown it away. At that time, there was someone from the town that came to talk to my grandparents because she had someone that wanted me to marry him. I was 15 years old and my grandpa said yes to that. I asked, I asked for help from a mission, missionary cap, a couple at the church and praise the Lord that didn't happen. To share some backstory, in 1998, Mark and Ruth came as missionaries to Albania and they bought a house because they wanted to foster care kids. But the state didn't allow them for a long time. That year, God opened all the doors and made a way for them to do foster care for us. It was joy above joy. And after that, six, uh, six more kids uh, got into foster care too. They have four of their own kids and 10 of us, so we are 14 siblings. I'm so thankful I get to live in a Christian family, to see everyone grow, and to have the greatest example of parents after God's own heart. It's just so amazing for me to see all the details that God has worked together to make a way for us when it looked like there was no way. My relationship with God had just started, but at the time I didn't understand it very well because I was so overwhelmed from the new lifestyle and there was so much going on in my heart. That year I started university and I graduated from law school before I came to his hill. Being here has been a thrilling time. Uh, when I came at first, the first semester was hard because I didn't speak that much English. And of course my time here has had its ups and downs. Coming here, I realized that I had to make my relationship with Christ my own because every time I was encouraged by my parents to, to, read, to read my Bible and uh, to follow Christ, but um, I came to the point that, yes, my parents have helped me to 
point me to Christ, but it's important that I have that personal relationship with, with him. And this has been such a, such a great thing for me to understand and to walk with him daily. God has been showing me so much of who I am and where my identity, my identity is found. In the beginning of summer, I got a call from my mom who said that she was diagnosed um, with liver and brain cancer. I wanted to give up everything here and just go home, but I didn't. This has been so heavy on my heart. And daily I had to remind my, to have to remind myself that he is in control. My mom has been going through chemo since June and praise the Lord that the cancer in her brain is gone. She's still fighting liver cancer, going through something like this and being away from home hasn't been easy. But it's encouraging for me to see the way that my mom is handling this and to see that she has surrendered her health to the Lord. Yet for me, it takes daily surrender. I feel like there are days that I'm at peace knowing who is holding my mom's hand, hand. And there are days that I need to give it back to the Lord. She's one of the greatest women that I have ever met in my life. She's the one that points me to Christ daily and shows me what it looks like to be a woman of God. She has been through so much pain, and yet I never hear her complain. But each moment, she shares Christ's joy. And... All of this doesn't come from her, but Christ through her. This hasn't been easy for my family, but I can see that he has brought us closer to him. I can see a lot that he, had been he, ha he has been teaching me during this season of life, and he is teaching me to surrender. I know that I have experienced hard things and good things in my life, but one change has made a big difference in how I live during the good and the bad times. I've been through hard times without Christ and hard times with Christ. Without Christ, we try to handle things on our own strength. And with Christ, we have his strength, comfort, and, pre and presence. God has been showing me of his goodness, faithfulness, and his timing. Something that I think is really neat for me to think about is that I was named Christina, which means follower of Christ, even though I was born in a Muslim family. I think that there are so many ways that God has shown himself clearly in my life, and I hope my testimony will show you what God is able to do. He is able to turn a mess into a message. He has been and is so sufficient, uh, sufficient for me. Since the day that I understood that it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me has made the difference on how to see this life that he has given us to glorify him with everything that he takes. Because it's not because of us, we are just vessels that are used by him. I have so much that still needs to be healed from my past, but one thing is real to me that past is past and Christ has me now in the present. My, my past and my circumstances do not change who God is. He remains faithful. In the present, I'm trusting him in my heart and I will treasure him for all the days that he has set before me. A verse that I want to share with you all is from Romans 8.28, and this has been my very first Bible verse that I have read uh, that says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Thank you. This one. <laughs> Good morning, Bernie, Bernie Bible Church. I'm Carol Lester, and uh, I tell people for 36 years, I was in the entertainment business. I taught middle school and high school English, but it was that very business that brought me to the feet of Jesus through a fellow teacher, so I'm going to do things a little differently than I usually do. I'm going to start at that point with a snippet and then go back and tell, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story, fill in the gaps, and then bring you up to current day. Isn't that just like an English teacher to use the literary device of flashback in her testimony? Um, I was 29 years old when I was hired at John Jay High School in Northside in San Antonio to head a very large department. Um, I taught four different subjects but I was in charge of 16 teachers, four instructional assistants, two secretaries, hundreds of kids. Um, loved that job, but I worked all the time. One of the teachers in my department, I'd been there about a year, year and a half, her name was Debbie, and she invited me to visit her church on a particular Sunday. Okay, yeah, that would be fine. I hadn't been to church in a while, okay. I really liked her. I'd met her husband, Dean, and so it was fine. He said, meet us in the foyer at such and such a time. Okay, fine. So I was there in the foyer, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. The church service is starting. I'm alone now in the foyer. Debbie and Dean never showed up. And I thought, you know what? I'll just go home. Who's going to know? But that still small voice, ah, you're here. Just sneak in the back and stay for the service. It was my divine appointment. Now, this was at Wayside Chapel. If you've ever been to Wayside Chapel in San Antonio, you know that on the ground floor, in the back are these pillars that hold up the balcony, and there's one or two pews behind Oh, on the far right pillar, there was one seat behind. And I thought, oh, perfect. I'll sneak in there, hide behind the pillar. Nobody will see me. Okay, I'm going to stop there and go back. Um, I said I hadn't been to church in a while. Well, I have, I'm the youngest of four by quite a bit. Um, when I came along... My sister Betty was seven in the second grade. Brother Mike was 10 in the fifth grade. Brother Ron was 13 in the eighth grade. Okay? We are the product of a Jewish father and a Gentile mother. We were not brought up in the Jewish faith, though. That's a story for another day. Uh, we were brought up in the Methodist church in the 50s and 60s, um, and we were always at church. Um, I was in the youth choir, we were all in the youth group, mom was involved, I mean, the whole nine yards. Um, I don't remember ever hearing about a, having a personal relationship with Christ. 
I don't remember a message of salvation. And I kept going to Methodist churches until I was 28, 29. So anyway, um, but it was a family. We all knew each other, and there you go. Uh, but Daddy was also military, so we were gone here and there, everywhere. And uh, because I was the youngest by quite a bit, I was mom's captive audience. Um, because my siblings were in school, daddy was either on base, on TDY, which is temporary duty, or deployed. And um, I know that every day I heard one of five messages from mom. Sometimes I heard two or three. Sometimes I got the bonus of all five. But I always heard, Carol Lynn, you are fat. You are ugly. No man will ever love you. If you, you better be good at your job because that's all you will ever have. But if you want to be a success and be good at your job, you're going to have to be perfect at everything you do. Whoo! Now, as an adult, as a believer in Yeshua, as a degreed psychologist, as a nationally certified life, health, and wellness coach, I know that mom was a fractured soul. But as a kid, this was mama. She was speaking truth. And you know, kids are meaning makers. What we see and hear, we make meaning out of it. And so I knew, okay, first, I'm not happy that I'm fat, ugly, and no man will ever love me, but oh well, that's the way it is, okay. Be good at my job, oh, I can do that. Be perfect at everything I do, I think I can do that. I have control over those things. So very early on, that set a pattern, folks, that I was driven, and I was always, always, always working hard. The upside of that, I got really good grades in school. I became a good writer and a very detailed note taker. Y'all know that now, don't you? It's a package deal. Um, I became a good musician. Three instruments, trained voice, the whole thing. And all those things got me to the college to which I wanted to attend. You know, I'd applied to one school when I was 16. I had enough credits to graduate as a junior. And I was accepted to go 1,400 miles away to the University of North Carolina. Thank you very much. Um, but I waited until I was 17, graduated with my class. And I say, you know, there was that upside. The downside was I was very suicidal as a kid. And by the time I got out of college, I had ulcers to beat the band. But be that as it may, graduated from Carolina, um, was hired to start teaching sixth grade in Durham County Schools. Loved it. After six years, I interviewed for a position at Our Lady of the Lake University here in San, well, in San Antonio to design and implement a program that was to be the first of its kind in the nation 
I was 27. So I got that program started, um, was teaching the program, but also teaching undergraduate and graduate courses at night at the university. By the end of the first year, the program had doubled in size. By the end of the second year, it was rolling, and Northside District came calling and recruited me to take over at John Jay. So now we're to that point. So let's, again, I'm behind that pillar at Wayside Chapel, and Steve Troxell was giving a sermon, and at one point he said in the sermon, you are not perfect. And I'm thinking, yep, I know. You were never perfect. Tell me something I don't know. You never will be perfect. Thanks for the encouragement. But then he said, you don't have to be because Jesus is perfect. And he always has been perfect. And he always will be perfect. You need to rest in him. I want to say that was new information. Keep talking. So he goes through his sermon. And toward the end, he said, you are loved. You have always been loved. You will always be loved. Because God is love. And he gave his son out of love for you. This little girl was a puddle behind that pillar in that back pew. And I was one who would not cry for love nor money. But that changed that day. So when Steve gave the invitation right there where you're sitting to pray the prayer of salvation, I did. <laughs> Praise God. Everything changed. I mean, the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. Was I still going to pursue excellence in everything I did? Yes, folks, it's in my DNA. My blood type is A positive. <laughs> I have no choice. But it was a little different because it wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about climbing that ladder to success to get to the top rung and then realize my ladder was against the wrong wall. It was about using what God had given me, the blessings he had given me to further his kingdom, to bring honor and glory to him. My classroom became my mission field. My school became my mission field. And I can tell you, I stayed in trouble in Northside District because I was very bold. Very bold. But hey, I saw kids come to Christ. I saw faculty member members come to Christ. And I saw admin. They didn't know what to do with me because I was a good teacher. But I was a problem. <laughs> and the Lord has just opened up opportunities for me. I mean, I, I was with the education department at SeaWorld. I ministered to park guests and fellow employees and 
Praise God, I was hired as a sports psychologist and academic advisor for the University of Kansas men's basketball team, and I traveled with those baby boys for two years. And they found out real quick that Christmas was more than Santa. And Easter had nothing to do with the Easter Bunny. Okay? And again, that was just the Lord speaking through me to bring him honor, bring him glory, and share his kingdom and further his kingdom. And you know, all that time, for 30 years, I prayed for my mama. I prayed for her. And the Lord gave me the assurance that it would be on her deathbed, but she would come to know him. For the last 10 years of her life, I was her sole caregiver, 24-7. Gave up my house, moved in with her, took care of her. And I would say probably I'd been with her maybe four or five years. And she made the comment one day, see, I told you no man would ever love you. And I could smile and look at her and say, Mom, Jesus loves me, and he's the only one who counts. Well, she had a massive stroke. Actually, it was four years ago yesterday. And um, she was in hospice. I never left her side 24-7 for nine days. I sang over her, prayed over her, sang to her, read scripture to her. And I can tell you that she did come to know Jesus before she breathed her last. And as I, when she took that last breath, she had lost her sight, but her eyes cleared. And she was looking up at the ceiling. I, w I kid you not, I was singing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face when she breathed her last. I saw, I witnessed that fractured soul become whole. And I can tell you that if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone away. Behold, new things have come. Thank you. If y'all would stand and join us for the closing song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone. This solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still and striving cease My comforter, my all in all Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone, 
who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of life and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, brought by the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever block me from him. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of love, no sting ever block me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Y'all are dismissed.